This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. The book of Psalms, personally, I I think I know it better than most books of the Bible because I like to start my day with praise of God, and I look to the Psalms for that. And I can look at just about every Psalm, and I see the character of God. I see that he's holy. He's triune. That means he's three and one at the same time. Figure that out. He has perfect, untainted love for each of us. He never changes. He's eternal or uncreated. I mean, that just... That just blows me away. How can anything be and not ever have a beginning? I mean, that's my God. He has all power. He knows everything. He's full of grace. He's merciful. Matter of fact, my favorite um, verse in the Psalms might very well be Psalm 103.13. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities or has deep compassion or has deep affection for us. Those who fear him. And he's the only being worthy of glory, folks. He's the only being worthy of glory. So what I did this week is I looked in the dictionary for the definition of glory. And then I looked in the Greek dictionary. That's the original language of the New Testament under the Greek word doxa, which means glory. And they had two pages of definitions. And there's different shades of meaning. And I really spent a lot of time thinking about this last Monday. But here's what glory comes down to. To honor and extol God. I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. Glory comes down to honor and extol God because he is the only being worthy of honor and the only being worthy that we should extol him. There is no other being like that. And that's why the purpose of your life and my life boils down to 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or whether you drink, do it all for the what? The glory of God. And remember, glory is to give him honor, to extol him, because he is the only one worthy of honor and the only one worthy of being extolled. And here's what that means in my daily life. It means honoring God has to be a continual thing with me, man, with you and me. It has to be uppermost in our minds. And the primary way we honor God is with the obedient choices we make. If you're going to live to the glory of God, that means we have to be aware of God. So aware of God. He's got to be in our heart. He's got to be in your mind with every thought, everything that comes out of our mouth and everything we do. Now, there's another way to glorify God too, and that's what we're going to dwell on this morning. But, but, but it's telling anybody and everybody the tremendous things he's done in our lives. And that means we have to see those things. See, and in reading the Psalms, I know that that, that that's what God wants of us. So today I want to look at Psalm 105. It says, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, 
Make known his name among the nations. Here it is. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Now look at this. Make known among the nations what he has done. I mean, that gives God glory. Verse 2, sing to him, sing praise to him. And then look at this. Tell. Tell of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. And when you do, tell of his wonderful acts. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. You're going to rejoice a few hearts. I'm not kidding you. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Then you get to five. Remember the wonders he has done. And then tell a few folks, I'll tell you. Now, behind every psalm, there's a history or a story. And the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us who the author of Psalm 105 is, but the situation of the psalm is this. It's the return of the Jews from 70 years of captivity in the very pagan nation of Babylon. I mean, the Babylonians moved almost every Jew from their homeland to a foreign land. Now, why'd they do that? Because God gave the Jews his word. He gave them special revelation that no other nation had. And you know what they did with that word? They were no light to the world. They, they, they literally did nothing with that word of God. I mean, he revealed himself in a way that he revealed himself to no other nation. And they didn't do a thing with it. There were no light to the world. They were no witness to the truth. They wanted what the pagans wanted. They married pagan men and women. They worshiped their gods. So God said what he sometimes has to say to you and me today, or to people today, that's what you want. You can have it. You want all those pagan gods? They're yours. You want all the stuff of the world? It's yours. Go for it. And he lets us go. And there's no restraint. And I pray that never, ever happens. That he has to just let go of us. You want it? Go, go, go get it. It's yours. If you think that's what's going to make you happy, and not a relationship with me, and not all the sacrifice that relationship with me demands, if you think all that stuff's going to make you happy, you got it. Go for it. See if it makes you happy. Well, that's what happened to the Jews. They got paganism stuffed down their throat in Babylon. And one generation died off. And you know how, and there were a million and a half Jews who were taken to Babylon. And you know how many Jews got sick of that and sick of those pagan idols in Babylon and sick of those temples and ugly, stupid idols and all the paganism? You know how many got sick of that? Who longed for their homeland, who said, give us back our law? Out of a million and a half, 46,000. Out of a million and a half, roughly a million, a million and a half or a million 450,000 said, we like it here in Babylon. We're comfortable with the world. Only 46,000 regurgitated at the paganism in Babylon. May we regurgitate at the paganism in our land. So after 70 years, Persia conquers Babylon, and the Persian king, a guy named Cyrus, says, you guys can go home. Well, that was God's doing. Now, here's the deal about Psalm 105. In the face of all the difficulties, these Jews had to go back to, had to, go back to their homeland. Everything had been overgrown. I mean, there was, they had to rebuild their temple. That was the first thing they had to do, rebuild all their homes. And there was so much, so much they had to do, so much difficulty in resettling their homeland. But in the midst of all that, these Jews, and I don't know who wrote this psalm, but it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. They remembered the great works of their God among the people of Israel. I mean, faced with so much difficulty, man, they remembered their past, and they remembered their victories, and they remembered everything God had done, and they wrote a psalm to that effect. And it's a long psalm. But again, it says in verse 1 of Psalm 105, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. I mean, they were faced with all these difficulties, make known the na among the nations what he's done. I think I'd look at all those difficulties and I'd be so overwhelmed. I'm not about to tell the great things God's done, but they did. Glory in his holy name. Verse 2, sing to him, sing praises, tell of his wonderful acts, see? And then you go to, um, well, the whole psalm goes on to tell about the captivity in Egypt and how God delivered him. He fed him in the wilderness for 40 years. I look at verse 40. They asked and he brought quail. 
out of nowhere. He satisfied him with bread from heaven. Just falls down every day, takes care of every need. He opened the rock. They got water from a rock and water gushed out like a river as it flowed like it flowed like a river in the desert. After he delivered them from Egypt, he supplied every need as they wandered in the desert. After he delivered them from Egypt, excuse me, he supplied every need as they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And man, they're just praising him for that. Now, why did God make Israel? his own special people. Why did he deliver them from Egypt and bring them into the promised land and drive out the nations that lived there? So they would say, look at our God. Look what he's done. And they would literally boast in the Lord. That's why that song this morning fits so well. I will, I'll make my boast in the Lord, my God. Because that, that's what this message is all about. I mean, he did all this. I mean, he chose these people as his own. He gave them the word. He revealed himself to them. He let them be in Egypt for 400 and some years. He delivered them. He took care of them in the wilderness. All this, all this because he's worthy of glory. All this so those people would say, this is our God. This is our God, and we boast in him, man. He's worthy of my obedience. So the Bible says in verse 1, make, make him known to the nations. And it says in verse 2, tell of his wonderful acts. Who's going to do that? Who else but God's people? Now look at Psalm 106, verse 2. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Nobody. Who can fully proclaim his praise? Nobody but you and I who see God in our lives and you and I who know this is God. There are people today who aren't in Christ. There's people here today like that. And you don't see God working in your life. You know, this is God, this is God. I mean, you're you're not going to tell people this is God in my life and magnify the name of the Lord. You're not going to do that if you're not a believer. So it's we folks who know the Lord who will say, look what God did. We're the ones who want him to be magnified in people's lives and hearts and minds. Now, here's how we do it. The first deal is this. We have to see God working in our lives. And folks, chance does not exist. But how many believe in chance? Chance or luck. Chance knows nothing of a God who controls your life. Chance denies all that. And luck is chance. And luck is nothing more, chance or coincidence, is nothing more than a set of circumstances that just, just happens to happen. It happens to happen with no divine control whatsoever. And so you say, good luck. And here's what you're saying when you say good luck. You're saying, I hope all these circumstances just happen to come together for your benefit because there's no God who watches over you. There's no God who sends his angels to protect you. There's no God who cares about you. There's no God who's personal. And there's no God who guides and governs everything you do. That's what you say when you say good luck. But why not try saying something like this instead? I hope it goes well. I'm going to pray that God takes this where he wants to take it. I don't think anybody's going to get miffed at that. I think people appreciate something like that, okay? It's a very kind way. You've just affirmed that there's no such thing as chance. You've just affirmed that nothing happens without a purpose, that God controls everything. That's all you've got to say. Or maybe you can just say something like this. You can say, just say, okay, I'll, just say, I'll pray it goes well for you, because then you're bringing God into the whole picture, and you're saying God has control of this whole deal. And then you do that and pray it goes well. Listen, folks, there's no such thing as chance, no such thing as coincidence. God is present everywhere, and there is a doctrinal term for that called omni, or all present, all present. And God wrote, Jeremiah 23, 24, Can anyone hide from me in secret places so that I can't see him? And do I not fill both heaven and earth, declares the Lord. That's saying, he's with you everywhere you are. 
that saying 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it's you and God together alone. The God of all creation is able to do this, folks. He's able to isolate himself with you and with me as if you were the only person on the face of this earth that he had to take care of. And that's something we've got to think about. And that's what omnipresent means. He is ever-present, all-present with you all the time, every day. And he does this for every believer. And if you don't know that, man, you are missing so much of the joy and blessing of being a Christian. And you've got to constantly talk to yourself and tell you he's with me there always. It's the me and him show. He knows you perfectly. He knows you totally. He governs your life. There's not a person, if you're a believer in Christ, man, there's not a person who comes into your life that God doesn't bring into your life for some reason. And you've got to write your own story here. Maybe you got really sick. Then you tell somebody, I was really sick and now I'm better. A lot of people give credit to their doctors. And if you believe that, you believe in chance. People say, I have one of the 10 best doctors in the country. Don't boast in any doctor or boast in any medical team. Because you got to boast in the Lord your God. Boast in your God. That's Psalm 48. Let me just go to Psalm 48 for just a minute here. Psalm 48. This is a great psalm, especially as it winds up, man. Especially, I mean, it builds up. This crescendos. Psalm 48 is about how God takes care of the Jews. How God just protected the city of Jerusalem and fought their battles. And he protected these guys, okay? So now I'm reading the end of Psalm 48, verse 12. Walk about Zion, that's Jerusalem, and go about, go about her, count her towers, consider well her ramparts, view her citadels, that you may tell of them to the next generation. Now look at 14, you may want to circle this, for this is our God forever and ever. What are those people doing, man? I mean, God took care of Jerusalem, man. He lived there, he dwelled there, he fought their battles, it was almost, it was almost invulnerable. And people are saying, look at this place. This is our God. This is all due to our God. They're boasting in their God, see? But you got to see life as God involved in your life, in your pain, in your victory, in your everything. The creator of the universe who isolates himself to be with you and is always with you forever and ever. You got to think to yourself and you got to say, this just didn't happen. This is our God. And you boast in God. Now, here's the second deal. You got to build on what God's done. Build on what he's done. Build on, on, on his great acts. This will change your life if you can get to this point. But to get to this point, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit to do this because you will never, ever do this on your own. If you're a worrier, you honestly cannot be a worrier. You can stop worrying. That can really happen. Now, You've got to build on the past and what God's done. Let's stay in the Psalms as much as possible and go to Psalm 18. This is a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous Psalm. King David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote this. Are you there? Psalm 18, verse 1. He says, I love you, Lord, my strength. What a way to begin a day, huh? Open the Bible, look at a Psalm, and I say, I love you, Lord. I love you, O Lord, my strength. You know how God loves that? The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My rock again, in whom I take refuge. He's my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Jump down to verse 6. No, verse 4. 
The cords of death entangled me, David said. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. So in my distress, verse 6, I called out to the Lord. I cried to my God. I love that. My God for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. Out of all the voice in the world, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Now jump down to verse um, Verse 16. He reached down from on high, and he took hold of me, and he drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy and from my foes who were too strong for me. God heard my cry, guys, and he reached down into my sinking muck and mire, into my pit, and he pulled me up, and he put me on a rock. He delivered me from my enemies who were way, way too strong for me, and he fought battles that I could never fight. Man, I hope that gets into your heart. And then David goes to, um, he goes to verse 32. I just want to see, and he's building on the path. Look at verse 32. It's God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to, st- he enables me, he enables me to stand on the heights. He trains, verse 34, my hands for battle. Look at this. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. My God empowers me for anything. See, David's looking at the past, and he's saying God has always done it, and God can do it again. He's going to do it again because he hasn't changed. And see, we act as if God's changed. We worry. We, oh, I do this, man. I'm, I'm pointing the fingers at me. Now, what's going to happen in my future? Listen, God hasn't changed. Then you get to the memory passage for today. David winds up his whole life in verse 46. This is so tremendous, man. Go home with this in your heart. The Lord lives. Verse 46, the Lord lives. I mean, you look at your life. You look at your life and say, God is alive in my life. And man, you memorize this baby right here. And you say, the Lord lives. The Lord lives. The Lord is alive in my life. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God my Savior. I mean, he says the Lord lives in my life. That's why he can close this psalm in verse 49. Therefore, I will praise you among the nations. The Lord's alive in my life. Listen, I really believe now that I, I really believe I worry less than I used to because I try and discipline, I try and discipline myself to think about what's got, what God's done in my life. See, I may have changed, but, God, but, but, but God's never changed. He's never changed. But see, folks, we build on the past, and it should not be unnerving to a child of God. We build on the past. God's always taken care of us. And seriously, you can look at that stuff, and other people are going to get really upset. And you can look at that stuff, and I can look at that stuff, and there can be real peace. There can be real, real peace. Seriously. People worry about their job, and they worry about their future. Wouldn't you love to go to work and say, so I lose this job? That's okay. I don't need this job. My God takes care of me, okay? He's always taking care of me. Wouldn't you love to go to work with that attitude? Of course you go and you respect your supervisor. Of course you give it 200%. But if you lose that job, you, you rest on the past. God's always provided your every need. He's never forsaken you. And he doesn't change. And he will take you where you need to be. And you trust that. And you believe that. It's woven into your being. I just think that is so freeing. Or you don't have to go to work and worry about losing your job and say, if I lose my job, I still have my God who's always taking care of me. And you can work with joyful abandon because the Lord lives. Psalm eighteen forty six. Now again, to get to that point, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to work that in us. 
And then, folks, we've got to practice it. You say, here's my issue in life. And then you've got to take some time. Here's my issue in life. And you're nervous about this. But you've got to go back. And you have to say, you've got to look at everything God's... I mean, just, just ask the Spirit of God to bring that stuff to your mind that God's taken you through. And you've got to think through that stuff. And then you say, Lord, you have never changed. And you preach that to yourself. And we can really overcome fear and worry by building on the past. And I pray that happens. Back to Psalm 105. The Jews settled in their homeland after 70 years, after thinking, well, we'll never see our homeland again. And they see what God can do, how he delivered him. And they rejoice and they recount all of his mighty deeds. So I ask myself, what are the deeds that we are supposed to recount? We, we heard that this morning, too. I mean, Psalm 105, verse 2 says, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of his wonderful acts. So what wonderful acts do we tell the people? And here's where I start. I don't necessarily have to tell this to unbelievers. I do want unbelievers to be saved, but I want to tell this first of all to believers. Believers need to hear this first. We need to build each other up. We're too quiet about this. Is this number one on your wonderful acts of God list? That God saved me. Folks, you got to get this now. How are you and me saved? We're saved because we believe the gospel that Jesus Christ died in our place for our sins. I mean, you hear that all the time. He died for my sins. And that's why I'm going to heaven, because someone died for me. You know what? In my own sinful nature, in my own wisdom, I, I would never believe that. Would you ever believe that? I mean, that'd be impossible. Because everything in me wants to say, I'm not all that bad. It would just make sense to the unsaved mind that if I just do my best and God, whatever your idea of God is, will take me to heaven. I mean, that's what your fallen sinful nature is going to say. That's going to be automatic. It's going to say God is no perfectionist. Just, 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 just live good. That's all. Do your best. Nobody can ask any more than that. That's what your fallen sinful nature will always, always say. See, think about this. What's going to make me believe Romans 7, 18? And I want to give this to you in the King James. I love it in the King James. Romans 7, 18. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. See, my, my, my sinful nature wants to say, I, but I'm good. God's no perfectionist. I mean, what's going to make me believe in my flesh, in me, Paul says, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Or what's going to make me believe Romans 13, where it says, all have turned away. They have altogether become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. What's going to make me believe that? Let's say I'm a pagan. I'm going to walk into some church for, I don't know, for a wedding or something like that. And I'm going to hear that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I'm going to flip around on the radio and hear a Christian preacher on Christian radio say, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. See? And, I, and, and I'm going to believe that? That's nonsense. You will never believe that. You will never believe that in your own wisdom and your own strength. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says this, man, and mark this. 1 Corinthians 12.3. No man can ever say that Jesus is Lord. No one can ever confess Christ is Savior apart from God, the Holy Spirit. And folks, i got to tell you, the Holy Spirit had to take that truth of Scripture and work it in your heart and my heart from the inside out, or that would have made no sense. And that's where my praise begins.
I go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is verse 30. It is because of him, meaning God the Father who sent the Spirit. It is because of him that you are in Christ. That you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, redemption. Therefore, as it is written in the book of Jeremiah, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We're in Christ because the Spirit changed our hearts, and that's what we boast about. You know, you could say something like this, especially to Christian people. You know, I'm kicking myself in my behind for what I did, and if I didn't know that God loves me and saved me, I don't know what I'd do with my guilt. I mean, that's a testimony. Or you can say, I thank God that Jesus Christ loved me and bore my sins because I deserve that cross. I deserve that punishment. See, we believers need to hear that, but you don't talk about that. You will talk about Costco a hundred times before you will ever talk about that. And we believers need to hear that. I need to hear what God's done in your life. It's so easy to take our salvation for granted. And I want to tell you, when you take your salvation for granted, that makes God's grace cheap, and it's not cheap. My sin and your sin cost him everything, man. You would never, you could never believe the gospel if God the Father had not sent the Holy Spirit into your heart and moved you to believe that in you dwelleth no good thing and you need Jesus Christ. And man, I get all emotional about that because that gives the greatest glory to God. And that's what I want the world to know, beginning with God's people. You talk about the mighty acts of God in your life, what he's done. And again, you've got to see God in your life. And you've got to build on your past. But we tell people, we've got to tell people, this is God in my life. And this is what I'm telling you now. You've got to say, this is not coincidence. This is not chance. And I pray these words have blessed you. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.